Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Gang Grow Retain. You got Christy and Jay today. Hey, Christy. Hi, Jay. How you doing? Good. We've been doing this like a uh, twosome thing for a while now where it's I like know. We, can't, we can hardly get the three of us together, it seems. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And this morning I was convinced that Jeff was having a baby and that's why he said he wasn't going to make it. You know, I was but, looking, no. I didn't initially go there, but then I looked at the date and I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. What Jay said <laughs> next week. This baby's due next week. So I'm guessing he's not going to be around next Wednesday. <laughs> I think the due date's on Thursday. So oh, that's so exciting. I can't yeah. wait. Very exciting. Um, okay. I'll give you a little nugget of what's going on in my house. I've been out of town for five days. I came back and there are three puppies in my house. Stop. Three puppies. Well, wait, yes. three new puppies? Three eight week old puppies. Yes. We're fostering them. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but it's funny. But I got still. a text. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, okay, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife is working her butt off. But yeah, I got a text. I was three hours out of town. Like I, I left third last Thursday and I was, I had been gone for three hours and I get a text. Hey, we're, we're fostering three puppies. I was like, the timing is impeccable here. I leave town for three hours. And then all of a sudden I find out that we have puppies coming. So, but anyway, they're right, very listen, cute. I got to ask though, like fostering has got to be tough with dogs. I mean, fostering in general. Right. But like, I don't know that I'd be able to give the dogs back or, oh. uh, well, there's, there's a very real danger here that we're going to end up with another dog. So yeah, but how my, my daughter is attached three and now it's like, you're going to pick and choose one. Yeah. I feel like you got to keep them all. They are all cute. There is a favorite. I'll tell you oh. that. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Tell me, is there a so name? There's, there's two Lulu. Lulu. Yeah. My daughter named Lulu. They all actually, all three of my kids got to name one of the dogs. So we've got beans, Lulu and Kylo as in Kylo oh, Ren. Beans? Beans. That's adorable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, what were the breeds? I gotta ask. I don't know. They they look like some kind of hound dog. I I don't know, but they're super cute. And they're not. Their parents aren't that big. So anyway, all right. So, well, all right. I didn't mean to take a step far off. No, course, I mean but. like, listen. You know me. I can take the whole conversation down a puppy. puppy <laughs> oh, yeah, puppy, you and I can go down a rabbit hole. Um, yes, I could do dogs all morning. <laughs> um, that's really cute. I wish you the best of luck. I am I'm confident that one. Of those will be staying. I'm fairly confident at this point as well. Yeah. But we'll see. I'll keep you posted. Right, on that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Do you want to adopt I'm one? Do you want one? I, I can't. Um, my marriage, <laughs> my marriage might not survive me bringing home another, another dog. dog. That's right. Cause you did the first one unilaterally. I did the, I did the first one and that was like two weeks of us not speaking. So that was like a fun opera, you know, fun, interesting thing I had to navigate because he said he didn't want a dog. And I said, I did. And you got a dog. I decided I won. <laughs> hey, if mom's not happy, nobody's happy. I just felt like, my need for a dog outweighed his not wanting a dog. Well, who, who, who are we to argue with that? Right. I don't know. We're I two would, years I would in. never, you know, listen, we're, we're two Has years, it been in. two years, not almost, almost. She's going to be two. Grief. Um, but we're still married and the dog is still alive. So yeah, I feel like we're yeah. winning. <laughs> everything, everything heals with time, you know? All right. So back to regularly scheduled programming. Yes. You want to introduce this article I that do. we want to talk I about? Do. Okay. Um, all right. So love the Sasser blog, right? I think we've talked about this. We've picked up a bunch of different articles over the past several uh, months, but came across one that for me, I was just, you know, we're in a time in, in client success where we're like growing and trying to grow faster, but the, the challenges and what we're trying to navigate just seem to be barriers 
to get into that next step forward, right? And so reading the blog, I came across an article that said, uh, it was titled, The Hardest Part About SaaS Companies at Each Stage. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah. what do you got for me? And I loved this because it literally broke down you know, the fact that one, the hardest part, it changes every 12 to 24 months. Um, or then it kind of talked about it through the lens of the ARR, right? And so mm-hmm. that is the kind of the, the barometer of hard. Yep. And as I started reading the article, Jay, I just felt like, yeah, yep, yep. And it's funny because I thought back through my my career, right, in SaaS over the past 10 years and all the different companies that I've been at but then all the different stages of those companies. And I was like, wow, this felt so spot on for me. So I thought we can spend some time picking apart each of the hard stages and, and yep. kind of talk through it a little bit. Yeah, I, I like that so much. And and I think we could put a customer success lens on this too, because a lot of the times I feel like we talk past each other, not, not you and me, but in the community, we talk past each other because you know such and such does something this way. Well, such and such is a $10 million company. And when you have a $150 million company, somebody working in that business, listening to that, the the answer might be completely different. Right. And so I think, you know, for me, I was talking with Bob about this yesterday. I told you we met for breakfast in um, Bob London, our friend. And um, for me, it's, this is why leadership is such an important element for customer success in a SaaS company, because, there is no formula. There's no one size fits all formula. I, I talk very, and you talk very decisively about on LinkedIn about whatever our topic is, right? We, we sometimes have strong opinions on this podcast, but the reality is you always have to assess your situation relative to where you are as a business and what you're trying to accomplish at that moment in time that and your solution comes from that, not from some book or some standard operating approach, right? So. Well, that's why my, my favorite thing to say is it depends, right? Yeah. How many times do folks come to us all the time asking, well, what do I do in this situation? Right. And yeah. everyone looks for like an easy silver bullet. Like, well, just tell me what you did. And I'm like, yeah, well, well yeah, but <laughs> I'm in a company may or may not work for you. Right. Because there's yeah. so many factors and variables that need to be considered all the time. Right. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about, what you're going to do next to like grow your business or what the next process is that you're going to design for your customer success team. Right. It, that same mentality of it depends really does have to carry you through because there's so many factors you have to bring in. Yep. It's like, if you ever ask somebody for advice and they don't ask you five questions before they give you any information, then don't listen to it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So maybe that's a LinkedIn post. Yeah. All right. Run it. You want to run us through the, through the article? All right. Um, so let's spend a couple of time here. Uh, if, if you, let's see, if you've had experience in this hard, I want to hear a little bit about your heart. If not, we'll kind okay. of move on to the next one. Yeah. The first one was from a dollar to a hundred K in ARR. The hardest part is often how little revenue you get from each customer. So they talked about the fact that basically you're acquiring, you're trying to acquire customers. Yep. SaaS products are, you know, can can vary, but in this case, the example I use is like you're getting $10 a month from a customer, you acquire 100 that's only $1,000 a month, right? That is so little monetarily, you're putting in so much work, you can barely even pay a salary with that. Yeah, that's like true startup bootstrap kind of mindset. I, I mean, I have been there, but not with $10 customers. I've been yeah. there with consulting customers, right? Yeah. And, and that is its own type of hard or difficult, but um, I, 
you know, that is not my sweet spot. I, I've worked with companies and, and had calls with people who are trying to get started and they want to take a customer first approach. But at that point, it's your go-to-market. It's your product market fit. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm not the best qualified to talk about this. Now I can yeah, go start a consulting business. I could do that. Yeah. But, a little different. A little different. Little um, different. Yeah. I've, I've not done that either. That's again, not, yeah, to your point, it's not my sweet spot. I don't know that I could get excited about that. Yeah. In the journey. That's just not for me. Yep. Um, but you got to start somewhere. So I commend everyone who's navigated that dollar. Yeah. To your first founders. Like those yeah. are founders. Yeah. Yeah. And much All love. Right. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Next bucket that we got here is hundred K to 1 million in ARR. And the hardest part is how slow it is. And they said, it seems to take too long to get anywhere. Yes, you know that you want to make customers successful and happy, but it's slow. So you may have 2000 customers at $10 a month. It's still only 20K, um, enough to pay some salaries, right? And they talked about their Amazon web services bill, but that's it. You're kind of stuck there. So is this uh, is something you have experienced within that range? No, I have I have done actual hands-on consulting with companies who are in this range and it is hard. Like the, the regular playbook doesn't apply here. You don't have specialist roles yet really outside of maybe sales and even in sales, right? You have probably your wonder, wonder. As I say, you probably have one wonder really kid, yeah. high performing salesperson. Yeah, that's right. It, who, high performing, I guess is like, you know, high, high, high performing. Yeah, but, but you probably can't replicate that. Right because it's a special snowflake kind of person. Um, but I mean, I don't know, like th this is tough too, because 2000 customers at $10 a month. I mean, it's still not that, that that's a different product. It's yeah. not I mean, that's your example, right? Let, let's pretend yeah, 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 yeah. that the contract values are at least 20,000. Yeah. Or 10,000 even. Right. Yeah. I mean, then you have 200 customers yeah. like that's, that's a little bit, a little bit different. And there are businesses of both sorts, but sure with a high volume business, 2000 customers, you're looking at online yes. pure product led, you know, growth approach. So it's really a marketing play and a great product. Yeah. Right. But um, it does go slow. Definitely agree there. I mean, I think that that getting to that big milestone, right. Because there's so much volatility, right. You get a customer, yep. you lose a customer. So depending yep. on where you are, I think in your organizational tenure, that that could be interesting because you might have a bunch of customers who aren't up for renewal yet. Maybe you just acquired them. So now you're just trying to like keep them and get them to stay. Yep. Um, so I think that the motions might look a little different depending on how quickly and, and what that looked like to acquire those customers and bring them into yep. the floor. Yep. All right. So the next one, this is me all day, every day um, right now. <laughs> so the next one is 1 million to 10 million in ARR. The hardest part <laughs> is you don't have enough people or patience. You finally sort of get the formula working you need two to four X the number of people you can afford to, to even kind of move the needle. <laughs> Jay, yeah. this is, this is my first time in this bucket. Um, and nothing has ever resonated with me the way that statement did it's one sentence. Yeah. Yes. Because that is our struggle every day. I'm like, wow, if we had 10 more people, not even 10 more people in my organization, 10 more people, Period. Wow, the places yeah. we'd go, right? Like it's like, yeah. uh, and you're kind of your hands are tied because you want to do so much and you want to do so much quickly and yeah. you just you just can't and you kind of feel stuck. Um, and so we do the best we can with what we've got, but every day feels like a struggle to just get to that next that next win. Yeah. 
And that's, I mean, that's why you see so many people raising so much money when they're in this range, because the valuation actually starts to be meaningful here. If you think eight, 10, 12 yeah. X, um, as long as the growth rate is high enough, then, you know, then you raise money and you accelerate. And by here, you should know what's working from a sales perspective. Yep. But I would say you also, and I've been, in, I've, I've been in a company we went, when I joined them, we were probably around five and went to about 20 before I left, which was a cool little ride because we'll talk about getting beyond 10 next. That was a tricky one, but, um, but what also happens in this one to 10 million range, you realize that a lot of the people or a lot of the customers that are in that customer base at that level weren't ideal customers. You, you may have honed in your ideal client profile a little bit more since you got to one or three or $5 million. And so some of those customers are costing you a lot of money now, right? They're not even really profitable customers or you're building things for them that are taking you off course just because you feel like you got to keep the revenue. Yep. I think that, that latter time. statement that resonates with me, right? Like the building for your current install base where that might not be your ICP. Um, yeah. I don't think we do a ton of that. Right. But there is this lot, this, you know, strong desire to keep them satisfied and keep them using the product and, and feel like they have something that's going to help them do what they came on board to do. Yep. Um, it is, it's just a challenge, right? Because how do those product requests align with your vision That's and when right. there's slight misalignment, right? Like, do we want to spend the limited resources we have building for our current base or innovating for a way that will allow us to, to grow our town and, and kind of bring on a whole new ICP? Yeah. You just have to have a, you have to have a great strategy. Yeah. And as it's long as you are convicted about that and your board's behind you and uh, the leadership team is all committed to the same thing, then it, then it will work, but it, it's tricky. Um, I was going to say something else about this one and I just forgot what it was, but this is a, this is a tricky stage. It's a really tricky stage, but it's also a fun stage because it's very, it still feels very much like a startup in this yeah. stage. Right. So I would say every day feels like an opportunity. Um, so, <laughs> and that's my positive mindset hat there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next bucket. Um, this was my, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do, this is my favorite bucket. Mm -hmm. um, so from 10 million to 40 million ARR, the hardest part is growing fast enough. So what they said is at this point, your customers start to generate the most of your growth going forward. And you know, you'll grow some percentage uh, a year, more or less. Hard part is growing 20% faster than that. So how do you so much work and stress to grow just a smidge faster? Mm. Yeah, this is where um, net retention really comes into play, right? So going from, so the hurdle here is 10 million. That's a, that's a tricky, you, you see a lot of companies sort of hit a wall when they get to about 10 million and, and it, it can be a little bit tricky to overcome. It's like a speed bump. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where introducing additional products is going to be really, really valuable. So you can grow from that yep. base because you've got a lot of revenue now coming from your customers, which is awesome. You're probably funding a lot of the business from your existing customers finally. Um, but now you got to sell them more. You have the opportunity to do that. Net retention is king in SaaS right now and probably forever will be right? And that involves having something additional of value to take back out to your customers. You know, the, the best SaaS companies in the world are, are north of 105, really north of 120% yeah. for, for the best valuations of, on, net, on net retention. So 
But this is fun because you're starting to have some resources to work with now. And actually what I was going to say on the last one, Christy, and it applies here as well, mm-hmm. is on the earlier stage of this, by the time you get to 10 million, you should be specializing a little bit more, right? So have a dedicated, from a customer success perspective, a dedicated support team, a dedicated customer success team, maybe a dedicated implementation team, depending on how complex you're onboarding. Yep. So I think that that's another thing to keep in mind is people always ask, like, when should we start to specialize? Be thinking about it early, but definitely start toward the tail end of that one to 10 million range of, you know, of growth. Do you have a story, maybe a a favorite story, win or loss, you know, like good or bad from your experience working in a company at that stage? From one to 10 or 10 to 40? 10 to 40. Um, Yeah. Well, I got a bunch of stories, but what do you, what do you mean? Like a, like a, just like a funny story. Yeah, just or... give, me, give me something, right? So like something that applies to what they're saying here, right? Like this, the hardest part is growing fast. Something you did well, yeah. something you didn't do well while you were at a company. Well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So one of the more challenging situations that I've faced in a SaaS company is when we built a product for one market condition and then the market condition shifted Ooh. and it was in this range it was yeah. in the 10 to 40 range. So we built a product that, and I've talked about this on LinkedIn at some point in the past, but we built a product. It was a, it was a, it was an HR platform an HR technology platform for onboarding and uh, applicant tracking in the service industry. So I think restaurant, retail, hospitality, yep. it was a great little business. Uh, it was called people matter, had the greatest name of any company I've worked for. Uh, actually, I was on the plane last <laughs> night and our old CMO and I were sitting next to each other. We were reminiscing about some of these stories, but, um, we, so we built a product when the labor market was flush with people, right? This is after the 2007, 2008, recession, the housing crisis. So everybody's looking for a job. Companies needed a way to filter all the people who are applying and get the best, right? Well, fast forward, you know, six, seven years into that recovery when things were booming, right? In the early teens and mid-teens. And all of a sudden, companies were looking for a way to market to attract people, right? And we had this great product that was designed for filtering all the applicants that were coming in, but now companies needed a marketing tool to go attract applicants. Mm. So I've always thought that was a really interesting case study because we did a good job of listening to the market, but we just did not respond fast enough to make that pivot. And the companies who did, they sort of ate our lunch. So that, that's a not so good story. There's some other really funny stories that came out of that one too. <laughs> we had a CMO, uh, um, yeah, that was really fun, but that one, uh, that one resonates. Um, I was thinking back to my time at Bright Edge. Um, okay. All right. Let's go to the next bucket here. So the next one is 40 million to hundred million in ARR. The hardest part is rebuilding the team again. And then yep. Sure. Um, they talked about here, oftentimes you start hiring B players because you just need so many people. The team starts to leave routinely, right? So you have this kind of constant door open, kind of a revolving door. Your life becomes all about recruiting. And even more than that, uh, it's hard to find magical VPs that can make a huge difference. You start making up for it in volume with headcount. Mm, yeah, it's true. Now, but I, I think the underlying thing here is that people become well, people are always the most important because these are all people businesses. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, the programs that you have to put in place at this level for your people are 
that that is the primary thing leadership teams probably should be focusing on along with go to market and operations and all that kind of stuff. But you have to take care of the people here. We're seeing it now. It's worse now than it's ever been in terms of people leaving jobs and, and even on our customer side, right? If you're, if you're, if you're in technology and you serve other technology companies like you do and we do Christy, like you've seen a lot of your customers leave their posts Every your champions day. are leaving, Every right? Day. It's tough. So yeah, that one, uh, that one's been an interesting one. So I recall a couple of different companies. I mean, that was always our struggle is like, we spent so much time initially recruiting for these, like, because that was the profile we had always hired for before yep. you just couldn't find those. Right. And then we often would struggle because we didn't have the right training enablement programs in place. We didn't have the right way to get them ramped and into yep. a position to be successful. And the infrastructure there didn't support that. Right. So we just had yep. this constant influx of like our top performers leaving to explore new opportunities, our underperformers, us being, you know, kind of like pushing them out and like just always this constant need to, to hire ramp and train. And honestly, you know, who, who suffered even beyond the people was our customers. Mm, yeah, because that's right. They just never got what they needed and they didn't have the consistency that really helped make them successful. Yeah. The, the other thing that happens, and I think it can help with this, that, that needs to happen in this, right. In this stage is you have to have specialized professional management functionally, right? It's no longer okay to have, you know, one of the founders running marketing because that's the open slot that was there and he, he or she, or they were just the best at it. Right. So this is where like you start and, and he's sort of alluding to it here in this article, which is like, yeah, you're starting to replace people some of your leadership team is being cycled out. Like we we've had some, some turnover, you know, in, in our team over the past few years, as we've crossed into this, into this area and, you know, it's all natural. And in a lot of times though, people don't, they feel concerned about it. Right. Because they're like, Oh my gosh, these people that have been with us from the start, they're leaving, but it's like actually normal for that to happen. As long as there's a good plan and good continuity created as it happens. So, yeah. Um, I have a funny story. So we were, we were in this range at a company, uh, name not be mentioned and the strategy there, when there ended up being so many people, people who have been there for a long time, leaving with all that historical IP and that passion Mm -hmm. and kind of customer knowledge, they started giving retention bonuses. And these were really sizable. And I just thought about, wow, all the money that was spent to just like keep people, uh, people, wow, I was just, thought it was a really interesting approach. I fortunately was a a beneficiary of some of that, but um, it was just, it was interesting to see that that's like the place that they were at. Yeah. Well, it it makes sense if you've got key people to do that because the cost of like going without somebody for a little while while you're recruiting the cost of actually getting them up to speed and onboarding them, the cost of the brain drain that walked out the door it's worth it sometimes to, to do that. So, yeah. Um, All right. I thought it was interesting. Okay. Last bucket that we've got here. Actually, it's not really the last, but that's fine. We can almost wrap up after this one. So the next one was at a hundred million in AR, hundred million plus in ARR. The hardest part is that you have to add a unicorn each year. If you're at a hundred million ARR, your goal is to grow 50 million next year. That's an entire, that's an entire new super successful startup itself. Um, the absolute members begin to weigh on you after a hundred million in ARR. It's just so much revenue to add in absolute terms. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, it's a great point. I, I do like the assumption that a $50 million company is now a unicorn though. That's pretty funny, right? <laughs> well, no, no, I said if you're at a hundred million, you have to add another 50 million, right? So assume yeah. you add on like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess you're right. But yeah, well, yeah, that's what you say. But, <laughs> but I mean, that is a lot of revenue like to, to add in a year. And by the way, don't forget, you probably, if your industry standard or you're in the industry range, your gross retention is in the nineties somewhere. Yeah. So you're losing 10% of that a year. So it's not just 50 million you're adding. Yeah. Now this is where going, being able to sell another product back into your base actually comes in handy. Right. Because well, this is where I think you see a lot of companies. This is where MA, I think, is huge, right? You're yep. going to go out yep. and acquire new entities and companies that are also very profitable that add another added dimension to your suite and your offering. Um, so I think that all makes perfect sense there. But I, I've not seen this end of the journey. I think the, the biggest, the highest I've made it to is 85 million, where I was like, no, I'm. The, no longer building anymore. That scale journey wasn't for me less yeah. exciting. So I haven't been a part of this. I can't imagine what, what that would feel like being a part of that. Yeah. I was, I was at a company for almost nine years. And when I joined, there were probably about 120. And I remember looking at the, like the town hall presentation that had happened right when I showed up and I was like, man, look at the growth over the past five years. I missed it. Bummer. Well, we went from 120 to like 600 million by the time I left. <laughs> it was it was a crazy ride, but um, but I do like that stage. I, I like that stage for me back then because I got to learn a lot of like that. It was a pretty mature business by then. They had yeah. great people practices um, for the most part. Uh, good solid go to market strategy lots of acquisitions. So I got the opportunity to experience a lot of different things and sort of build a foundation. It wasn't a huge company. I mean, we were probably 1200 people when I joined probably 3000 when I left. So maybe 3,500. So it wasn't huge, but like it wasn't Oracle or IBM, but it wasn't, you know, the 50 person startup either. And then I went and did the startup thing after that. Then I went to a $6 million company. And, okay. All right. What was that transition like? For oh, you? well, here's the funny, here, here's the funny <laughs> part of that. So at this company I was at, I was one of the younger people. There were people that have even to this day had been in this company for 30 years, right? 25 wow. years. And people had been there a long time when I showed up and I started there in 2005. So I remember distinctly, I left it was blackboard. I left that company as a young buck. I walked into this startup downtown Charleston, people matter the next week on Monday morning, sit down and I'm looking around and all these people are like eight years, 10 years younger than me. At that point, they were looking at me like I was an old man. So <laughs> I went, I went from, and I was like, I don't know what, 30, 32. I went from like kid to adult supervision overnight. <laughs> that was the funny part of that transition, <laughs> but you know, and then the, the other, here's another story. I remember like my first week it was, uh, we had a customer that was on fire and I was like, Hey, I'll just fly out and go see him. We'll talk through everything. And I grabbed somebody and I was like, okay, how do I book my travel? And they were like, uh, uh you know, go on, what is it? Priceline or <laughs> like, go online and book your travel. <laughs> You're like the internet, like, Jay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yeah, right. Okay. Cause at, at my previous company, we had had, we had two full-time travel agents. Travel, I was going to say you had travel agents. Yep. On staff. They were contract, but on our staff, basically that handled everything for us because we did, we had a big consulting team and did a lot of travel related to that. And it was just more efficient, but 
yeah. So anyway, that, that there were way more stories from that one, but those are funny. Yeah. It's always interesting when you, you're kind of switch the environments like that. I think going from small to big has its unique challenges, but I do think it's a more interesting experience to go big to small. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people can't, I'm not saying I did it perfectly, but it's hard for a lot of people to make that transition because oh yeah, they're used to a lot of creature creature comforts. Is that what, is that what the term is? I mean, it can be now. I love it. <laughs> Run with it. <laughs> they're used to a lot of things that a small company just doesn't have access to. Yeah. yeah right. And, and then what you find is people who come from bigger companies, they walk in and they sort of treat departments like these big monolithic things. And it's like, well, we need you. It's like, wait a minute. No, no like we got to blur the lines. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> for so this it's to a work. lot of wearing different hats and doing different roles and it all kind of meshes together for, for the greater good. Right. Like, that's right. For, for achieving that objective. I would say that's been the interest, most interesting thing about joining client success is that this is probably um, the smallest and the size of the company, both in people and in revenue that I've been a uh-huh. part of. Exciting because of the influence and impact I get to have across the business. It doesn't yeah. even just fall into customer success. But yeah, some of those luxuries of like hiring and support and all that stuff. You just not, not something I have yeah. disposal any longer. Right. I have to think about, well, if I'm going to make a trip, how do I make the most of that trip? How many right. people can I see? Where can I stay? That's like not going to break the bank. That's um, right. Yeah. And so it just, it's just different considerations in every single thing that you do and every decision you make, you're just weighing it out differently. Whereas opposed yeah. to in other organizations, whether, whether I had people or resources, they just, some things you didn't give a second thought because you didn't have to. Yeah. You know, the other thing that's cool about that transition, can you keep going for a couple minutes? I can. Okay. Um, the other thing that's cool about that transition is, like it took me five years to get to the point where I was promoted to be a director at that company. Cause director was a pretty senior yeah, at that, that level. size company. Yeah. Yeah. That size company. And, um, but once I had that experience, then I was able to, and I was there for a few years after that. And I, I actually switched almost switched careers in the middle of it. I went from like customer success, professional services to product management for three wow. and a half years before I, I left. And it was a, that was actually a step back in my career, which I would encourage everybody to consider doing that every once in a while, because getting multiple functional experiences is super important for executive leaders. But, um, but it would have taken me another three to five years, probably to make it to VP there. But I, I went to be the VP at, of customer success at a smaller company, right after that. And not all, not only that, I was, I became part of the executive team, right? Yeah, so now I'm exposed to everything, right? The cash flow, the, the, the accounting, the HR, everything. And you're sitting in the, in the team meetings every week, yeah. right? You, you are now part of a bigger team that is focused on the business, not just your function. So I think that's a cool, it's a cool way to transition into executive leadership is to go from big to to small where you can go see everything and have, like you said, a big impact on the business. Yeah. Itself. I mean, listen, I think every, every role you play in your professional career, you should be learning a ton and observing and absorbing. Um, and so if you're not learning every day, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, but I love the idea that you said that you kind of like pivoted in your career, kind of thinks about that through the lens of like what I did, right? Like spent 10 years in marketing and then I went into customer success. Yeah. But I feel like the foundation of having all that marketing experience and expertise 
it's basically what we do in customer success, right? Like, I so I get to take a lot of the principles of what I've done and it supports me in a sense of like how I think about what I do, the work that I do, my contributions, my interactions. And so I do think being able to have exposure to different things really does support your professional growth. So 100%. you don't have to stay in one function long-term. No. Careers are not linear. Um, yep. Your path won't and shouldn't be. It gives you a lot more empathy too for for other folks. Like I have a lot of empathy for my product partners to this day, right? Because I know how how much is coming at them and what that prioritization exercise looks like. So it's uh yeah, always always a, a good idea to get some, especially earlier in your career. Like yes. don't like I, I actually took a pay cut to go into product management when I did it. And at first I was like, this sucks. Like I'm not cool with this. Um, and then I was like, you know what? It's, it's okay. Like if you're worried about the money you're making today, like you're, you're missing an opportunity to invest in your future. Yeah. I think when you're in a position to make those hard choices and figure out like, you know, can I afford to do this? Make that decision for yourself personally, professionally, but if you can, the, the growth will definitely outweigh that that short-term salary, right? You'll be able to to grow exponentially over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people always ask like, how do you get to be a chief customer officer? What do you like? Well, there's 20 years of work of like grunt work that went into it. It didn't just happen, right? So there's no such thing as an overnight success. And so pick your grunt work carefully. Yeah. Is what I would say, right? And just just do it. I, head down and learn, like you're saying. Well, let me tell you something I think is funny. So, like, I have this like 10 year stint in customer success that people feel maniacally focused on when they think about me in the role that I sit today. And they're like, "Wow, you got to chief customer officer in 10 years." Uh, I'm like, "No, I got to chief customer officer in 20 years." That's right. Right. I had yeah. 10 years doing something else that supported me getting to a place where I had had people, leadership, business experience, and exposure. Right. Like in all the things I did. Before I went into customer success, to your point, I went from a, leading a team as a director in larger organizations, multi like publicly traded companies, yeah. to an individual contributor in a startup in SaaS, where I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, um, <laughs> right? And so yeah. I, this, I, I pivoted in a big way financially from what I thought professionally, when I think about through the lens of like my role type, right? The scope of the work that I was doing, what I was responsible for, my remit, and pivoted. And it took me 10 years to kind of rebuild from there right now. That wasn't starting from zero, Yeah, but you're, you're starting from a different place. And so I don't think that anyone should be thinking about anyone's career in just the whatever period of time in that function, right? You got to look at it in its yeah. totality. It yeah. Difference. Have, have, have some patience too. Like there were days when I walked into that big company and it was like another Am I really starting another year here? <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. I think patience is a big thing, Jen. I don't, I think that people lack that today in a big way. Yeah. I have a girlfriend yeah. who just, she's celebrating 15 years at NBC Universal. And wow. she she's an EVP there and, and runs kind of their digital ad programs. I mean, like she and I worked together at our first job ever out of college. And oh, cool. now she's this, you know, EVP at NBC. Huge, huge company, 15 years. And she is like put in the work Talk about patience, right? People are so, they're they're so eager and so like just wanting to keep moving and growing and growing. And I love that about everybody, right? That drive I think is important, but it doesn't happen overnight. You can't rush that. Yeah, I, I we could probably do a whole podcast on this, but I, I often give people feedback. Like when I, when, and people, some people don't like this. When you talk about this on LinkedIn, people get a little bit, 
uppity about it. But if I see somebody that's been working for eight years and they've got seven jobs on their resume, I'm like, what? Like, how do I know you're going to stay with me for longer than 12 months? I need you here for at least two to three years. Yeah. Right. For, to get you up to speed and for you to be productive. So whether it's with me or whoever else you choose, I'll give this, I'll give this feedback to people that I'm interviewing, like live feedback mm -hmm. to them. Cause I want to try to help them. Right. But it's like, whatever you choose next to stay there for three years, like build some credibility over time, because in a year or 18 months, you can accomplish some things. You can do a job. Yeah. But to really move the needle, you know, you, you sort of need to be somewhere for a couple of years because that, that signals to me that you've stuck through some of the hard people stuff that you're going to go through. Yeah. You've, you've, you've overcome some business challenges that you're going to have. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. I, I'm, it's probably politically incorrect to even say that at this point, but <laughs> I don't think, right. No, 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 no. I don't think there's anything wrong with what you've said. I do think that there is a lot of learnings in putting in that time, right? Like yeah. I always, I look back always fondly at the five and a half years I did at Bright Edge because I always yeah. say to everybody, I'm like, I got my PhD in customer success going through that five-year journey where we yep. had gone from 25, 20 million in revenue and a team of seven to 85 million when I exited and a team of a hundred globally, like just in our customer success team. Yeah. So, awesome. I mean, that was that journey there. I will never, I mean, and I think back of all the days I cried and was miserable and thought <laughs> I'm leaving uh, through my hissy fits. Right. And I stayed and like, I learned so much about myself. I grew so much as a person, as yep. a leader, as a professional, and I'll never, I'll never regret a day that I yep. put it there. Right. So yep. you have to have a couple of those stories where to your point, you, you learned because you've been through it. That yep. experience is critical. And if you're leaving when things get hard, that also says a lot about you. Yeah. Things will always get hard. Well, they will. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's called work, not play. Right. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I do think it's, it's been a tough time too. So I don't, I don't begrudge anybody leaving a job. Even, I mean, it's even us, right. And we've had a lot of turnover. This I mean, year, I've only been at client success for just over a year. It's not like I didn't just leave someplace not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is, this is a, I, I would say, you know, during this whole pandemic period, like <laughs> some of this advice doesn't apply, right? People need to do what makes them happy, where they find joy. And if you're not getting that, and especially if you're, if it's, if your work is taking away from, from your joy, yeah. then you got to make a change. So that just, so everybody hears me, I'm not begrudging anybody leaving their job. Right well, now. Also, like, let's be honest too, the markets, the market's taking a turn. It's People are losing turn. their jobs, yeah. right? Yep. So don't let don't let what we're saying here reflect on that. Like if you're going through an experience where a company is, is making layoffs and things like that, the market obviously is impacting your ability to, to stay. Yeah. Um, that's not a reflection of you, but if you're happy, if you're fulfilled, if you find a company that can embrace you opportunity to stay longer, I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Stay and take, take advantage of those opportunities and stay there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stay in the right place. Stay in the right place for yeah, a yeah. couple of years. Right place for you. Yep. All right. Last one here is a billion plus ARR. And the hardest part is you have to be so multi-product that you're really running two to five SaaS companies. I, I feel this pain now and we're, we're not in this bucket. We're really in the last two buckets really, but having, I mean, having multi-product is the only way to win. I mean, look at what HubSpot's doing right? They've got multiple different, I forget what they call them. 
what is what is they call them? I don't know. Hubs. They call them hubs. Yeah, I was, yeah. Just, I was gonna say I'm a HubSpot customer. Hold on, like I should know this. Yeah, they have like the sales hub, the marketing yeah, hub, marketing hub, yeah, customer yeah, yeah. hub, and um, and it really is you know separate product team, separate everything, and yet you have to stitch it together and make it feel to the customer yeah. like one thing, right? And that's a product thing. That's a customer journey thing. It's a lot yeah. there. Experience. I mean, I, everything has to kind of gel and all kind of feel uniform from the outside. Yeah. Now that's if you're, if you're one product, so, or if you're one, yeah, one suite of products that like HubSpot sure, yeah. is different than Oracle, right? Oracle's got tons of different products, right? IBM's got tons of, and they're different. Yeah. They're almost like different yeah. businesses. No, it's like, yeah, so almost might as well, outside of the name on the contract, it might as well feel like a very different partnership altogether. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, so you're not going to buy, you might buy your human capital management platform from Oracle. You probably will be buying your marketing platform from somebody else, yeah. right? Salesforce maybe. So it's yeah, different, but even look at, look at Salesforce. It's another good example. You're starting to get into adjacent markets to go create enough TAM to continue to grow. Cause that, I mean, think about that. How do you grow 20, 30, 50% at a billion ARR. You have to have a bunch of different things. Honestly, Jay, it is too early for me to even think about what that would look like to to, to do that. I mean, (laughs) we're watching tons of companies be very successful at that. But the strategies are obviously very different, right? As as we kind of move through all those buckets, not only the things that are hard, but the entire approach, right? Like how you even run the business is is different. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. This has been fun. I, I like that. I like that. We took this in a bunch of different places, but I, but I like the, I know, I like the yeah. journey. I like the journey it went on. Yeah, we we were going to talk a little bit about layoffs and how to react and respond there, and I feel like we even got into that a little bit. Yes, but we did. Maybe we should talk more about that next week. Yeah, I do think so. Just because, I mean, sadly, I don't know about you, Jay, but I keep yeah. logging into LinkedIn, and every time I do, I see a sad another post of somebody who's been impacted um, by a company mm-hmm. who's making some changes and. You know, I think there's a lot of things you can do to to make that a, a successful change, right? Like, and so yeah. it's we want to encourage people on how to pivot and how to shift. And so I think it warrants a good conversation. Yeah. Well, maybe next week I'll tell the story of how I got let go of. Oh, my... you might have to wait until I get back next week. I'm in London. Oh, you're going conference. Right. I'll okay. be in Europe. Okay. Well, that 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 experience for me was the catalyst of something brand new and exciting in my life which was the company I started. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I can share about that, but that's cool that you're going to be at the, the customer conference. Yeah. In London. And so we get to uh, be, get to be a part of the first uh, customer success excellence awards too. They're starting yeah. in Europe. So that, that Alex, event on Wednesday, which would be yep. awesome. Alex Farmer. Um, super excited to meet him in person finally. Cause I haven't yet. Um, all these people that I feel like I've had these like real deep relationships with who I've actually never met in person. I know a funny place. So I'm it's super crazy. To like get out there and, and just see, see all our friends. Yeah. I know. I sort of feel bad that I'm not going to London. But- I kind of feel like I'm annoyed that you're not going. Like I feel <laughs> like being with all these people, not having you and Jeff there with me feels, feels like I'm missing. I'm missing. I know. People. I know. But here's the thing is so many people from the U S like, I don't want to go to London to see all of y'all that no, I can see but you're going to see all of our friends in London too. I know. I know. I've never, like, I've never met Rick Adams. I've, there's a see, bunch of people. All of these people, all of our famous yeah. friends are going to be there and you're not. And so going back to FOMO, which I think is probably where we started our conversation earlier. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we will find another event to do in Europe. 
for yes. sure. Yes, absolutely. And then, and then we will we will see each other very soon, either in New York or in Salt Lake City for. Yes. Well, look, I'm going to be on the road now. Uh, summer is a little tricky, but hopefully we will run into each other. Oh yeah. Sooner rather than later. Travel's happening. So. Yes. All right. All right, Jay. Good to catch Thanks up. So much. This is great. Have a Take good day. Care. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.